Hello and welcome to the Body Track Academy, created by EPs for EPs. We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content. Hi, welcome to the Body Track Academy podcast. Today I'm sitting down again with Josh and uh, this will be the second in a bit of a series for uh, new grads following the progress from finishing uni, entering the, the workforce as an exercise physiologist. And what we want to talk about today is finding a job. The uh, application process, um, do you have a, you know, specific things you're looking for, a non-negotiables list, how do you tackle an interview um, successfully and, and hopefully get your dream job. Uh, I'm going to be biased and say that working at uh, Body Track with us, Josh, you got your dream job, am I right? <laughs> I'm being paid to say <laughs> <laughs> No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think definitely from I knew going into prac here that this would be a place that I wanted to work. And I think obviously very, very fortunate, like you said, to to be offered a place and yeah, I just love coming to work. Well said. Yep. Well done. <laughs> All right. So when did you, uh, like during your last year of uni, how early were you thinking about getting a job I mean that's yeah I honestly always in the back of your mind I think it's like something that's always November yeah. December wrapping it up and going, oh yeah I think like I said I I think I'd had the um, I'd had the experience before during my healthy pop mm. um prac placement of getting a, a job out of it yeah um and so I sort of in the back of my mind I knew there was that, that progression of if you do really well if you press a prac Mm-hmm. There's always an opportunity yeah. at some point. Um, but, uh, and then we touched on it a little bit in, in our first podcast was that I generally just wanted to, to do well at PRAC mm-hmm. and, and to get the most out of it personally and professionally. Um, but then, like I said, in the back of my mind, you know that if you do well, people want yeah. people that want to be there around for longer. So um, I honestly hadn't thought about it. I hadn't really thought too much about it. I was sort of just really focused on finishing the year, getting it done, getting mm. my piece of paper, and then and then looking forwards from there. Um, but I think I picked Body Track, and I because it was somewhere that I wanted to work. Yeah, and I wouldn't have gone to a prac placement or chose a prac placement that I didn't see myself working at in, mm. the, in the future. So um, I guess you could say it was there in the background, but it wasn't sort of a, a, a very frontal thought for me, no. Yep. And do you know, like, for your kind of cohort, is finding a job and navigating the job market something that they're worried about? Does it seem like there's enough opportunities out there? Or is it just focused on uni while you're at uni and future? No, I mean, there's a lot of conversations about it and there's a lot of... um, I guess there's a lot of, there is some preparation done on the, on the business side of things in terms of not only 
structuring resumes and then cover letters and things like that. A little bit of interview prep, mm. um, which is which is really handy. And then on top of it all, um, looking at like contract review and that sort of thing. So you're legally trying to protect yourself as well. Um, and these are things that unis are now yes, incorporating yeah, yeah. into yeah into your course, which, which I think is awesome. super important. Oh yeah, super yeah. super important because I mean, you know. I mean, working casually, you get handed a contract, you're just so excited to start. You could be signing up to anything, you sign it and give it back. Yeah. That sort of thing, you know, but it's okay if it's at Brumbies. But, you know, further down the line when it's... Shout out Brumbies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but further down the line, if it's, you know, something that you can see yourself for, for five, ten years, you know, and it's a full-time, uh, full-time position, those sorts of things start to really make a huge difference and you need to make sure that you're protecting yourself. So that was w- really cool that I really got out of it was, was that sort of, um, I guess the more the contract side of, mm. of things. Um, but yeah, so they don't, honestly, I think there are more jobs out there than, than is perceived when you're at uni. Mm. Um, the difference being is that not all the jobs out there are the jobs that everyone wants. Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, okay. in the end of the industry, there's going to be jobs that people don't want mm. or... More desirable. Less desirable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I think for for our, for graduates, like a lot of my friends graduating, um, quite a few of them are in, are in positions. A couple of them have had to go external mm. um, for positions. Um, but there is stuff there. It's just sort of, obviously, EPs quite a variable industry in terms of what your role looks like. Are you full-time, casual, part-time? Mm. Are you working in your clinic yourself? Are you in a uh, mobile service? Are you working out of a gym? Like there are so many, are you in a multidisciplinary practice? Like there are so many different avenues to go down mm. and can get quite, um, I guess, confronting yeah. um, to, to look at when yeah. you go through. And did you have like a, a checklist of like preferences or – uh, in the type of environment, like I said, there's so many different options. Did you know what you wanted or weren't willing to do? Yeah, I think for me, um, and rather only, I think it just based off previous experience, yeah. like from whether it be my interaction with um, other EPs that I've known that have already graduated yeah. and what they're doing, yeah. but also um, from a sort of client base, what I what that looks like when I was going to see um, Allied Health professionals I always had that in the back of my mind yeah and so for me I always saw myself in a clinic whether it be multidisciplinary or, or otherwise mm. um and um I was I always saw that as sort of the number one the benchmark to sort of go from and then obviously from there you, f- you filter down into um you know what does the role look like what sort of populations are you working with what sort of professional development and support do you get from the company and that mm. sort of thing um to be honest like Financially, was very always very low down on on my list because at the end of the day, like I do this because I love people and mm. I love interacting with people. And I love helping people, and I think that's for me why everyone should be in the allied health industry. Yeah. I mean, it's um, but also it's one of those things where I just want to enjoy going to work every day. So that was where, it, and that was me enjoying my work was going into a clinic set, setting and seeing people coming to me and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, and I think from the conversations. Uh, I've had when someone's maybe not loving their job, there's there's sometimes an, an element of uh, finance and what they're getting paid, mm. but more so it's about I'm not enjoying what I'm doing and I'm not getting paid enough to not yes. enjoy what I'm and doing. And it's that thing, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah. 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 Is what I'm getting 
substantial in what I'm putting out. Yeah, yeah. and for the toll it's taking, yeah. if you're not having a great time. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's that's the thing, and it can get. I mean, I think for first years, uh, for like first year practice, um, first year practice, first year um, clinician coming out, mm. it is important that um, you have that support. Mm. And I feel like that clinic aspect is always going to provide you with that some level of support, whatever it might look like. Mm. Whereas obviously those mobile services or the things where you're sort of working for yourself, you sometimes aren't as, you don't have the access to as much support as you maybe need first year out. And that's, again, my personal preference. Some people really enjoy that Mm. and fair play to them because that is very daunting thing not having that but some people absolutely thrive off it and you know it is just does depend on what you want to see out of it yeah my advice is always even if the position itself doesn't have those inbuilt like support networks and things seek them for yourself Mm. like especially in health-based industries because everyone wants to help people it's not just clients like more often than not they want to help um their colleagues or um others as well so i think yeah if you have found yourself in a more isolated kind of role, reach out to people and, yeah, that's there's support everywhere. Mm-hmm. So was there any anything that was like a definite like turn-off you were not willing to do in an EP role? Not not really. Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. I think for me, I like, as discussed in, in the last podcast, I very actively didn't want to specialise in a certain area. I wanted to... Don't get pigeonholed into didn't something want to get too early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, well, I guess maybe this is um, would be a little um, bit of a sort of, I guess, a, a deal breaker would be not being able to see a, ro- a wide range of populations. Okay. So yeah. that would probably be, I'd, I would hate to be pigeonholed, I mm. guess, mm. Um, and, and initially. And then, so I think, yeah, making sure that you see people from all different populations, all different sort of walks of life, I think it's really important. Mm. Uh, in terms of applying then, do you think, and I mean, of course, this seems to be like your personal um, preference or uh, approach, like apply for everything, even if it's not um, exactly what you want or get really clear on what you want and just go after those hard? Um, I mean, I guess it's down to it's down to personal circumstances. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. um for me, having already had um, a job mm. where, that I could sort of still be in the industry and then, um, but without working as an EP, mm. um, I felt sort of comfortable in that I could always just work there a little bit longer while I found the role that was suited for me. Mm. That's not always the case for everyone. Yeah. Everyone, obviously, you graduate and the idea being that you've been prepared for is that you just then go work. Mm. Like that's how it works. But, um, it's not, not always that simple, but I, it's definitely just down to personal circumstance. Like, well, mm. are you willing to sort of give a little bit on what you want in order to get a role or are you comfortable in holding out for, for the role that, that you really want or that ticks all your boxes, I guess? Only you'll really know that. Yeah. Um, bit of a wishy-washy answer, but I guess. No, I think the point is uh, determine what you want, determine yeah. what you're willing to do and, and not do And If you're clear on that, then it makes the whole process a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. All right, let's talk interviews. For some reason, I feel like you would actually enjoy them. I don't know why. I feel like <laughs> I don't, yeah. you look forward to getting in there and I like meeting new people. Meeting new people is fun. Yeah. So if it's an interview with someone that I haven't met and 
they actually want to have a conversation. Yeah. Which you'd hope in an interview. Um, fantastic. Um, I, I'm lucky in that sort of my, like, with some people I know, like my, my dad and stuff's always been very much into that industry of, he was HR. So right, right. The preparations yeah. sort of been subliminal all the time in terms <laughs> been of- Been preparing your whole life for this. <laughs> like his go-to thing is always be the best dressed person in the room. Okay. Because it's easier to dress down than it is to dress up. Yep. So if you walk in there and, and you and you look good, you start to feel good, you feel good, everything mm-hmm. else rolls from there. So um, it started from there and it moved all the way to, you know, small things like, again, knowing what you want, knowing what your deal breakers are and mm. and what – and be prepared to say no and be prepared to sort of turn away and be like, no, this is not, this is not for me because it, – and it's just in that, I think, and talking to him and, and being sort of – like I said, subliminally prepared by mm. him. I was sort of confident in asking questions in an interview as well as sort of being able to answer and having, um, you know, those pre-prepared answers to be able to then not regurgitate, but having that. You've thought about it. Push through. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, it's really, as, as someone, you know, I've interviewed people, I've involved in our recruitment, asking questions or knowing where you you stand on things shows that you know your own value as well. If you haven't thought about those things, then I often just get the, and it might be like a subconscious kind of feeling on someone, but if they don't know their worth, how am I going to? Whereas if you can come with, uh, you know, you've thought about what you want out of a job and you want to find out it's equal parts. It's not like who has the power, I guess, is something maybe in an interview I think um, perceptually, per- yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You you walk in thinking, oh, I've got to impress. I've I just to have to impress, impress them, yeah. yeah. And I think if you end up in that situation before and you end up committing to things or, um, I guess, saying you're okay with things that maybe mm. you, you're not okay with or, or accepting jobs that you don't want mm. because you think that you're walking in there and the only outcome is you walking out with a job, mm. which is not always the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could walk in and – Hopefully, you, you realize that that's the place you want to work and, and you, you guys connect and, mm. and that sort of thing and you're right for the job and you and you get it. But, you know, there's still positives to get out of it even if the outcome isn't a job. You mm. know, you walk out and you realize, oh, I definitely don't want to, you know, go that stream or I don't want to or that was a deal breaker for me, which I didn't know before and, and that sort of thing. So, I think, yeah, that, that balance or that, that destroying that perception of one person has the power and one, one person doesn't. I yeah, it's really important. Yeah, and you've got to be a right fit. And you know, you said before, not everyone's uh, personal circumstances may grant them that luxury. Mm. But ideal world, it needs to be a mutual fit. Mm. Um, you know, if, if we're talking about finding a career rather than sort of like short term position. Um, and as yeah, sitting on the other side of the table, that's something that I definitely look for. Is you know, the candidate might seem like they're great for us and they're going to fulfill the business's needs. But if I'm getting a sense that as a company we're not going to be able to give them what they are looking for, long-term neither party wins. It's not going to work. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Might have to get your dad back in for um, <laughs> <laughs> some more specifics <laughs> in, uh, in terms of interview. What kind of, like, uh, preparation do you do? His 
big one is is knowing company values. Okay. Yeah. Um, so obviously we have ours, and mm-hmm. I think that was one thing that um, he handles in whether it it is Brumbies or mm. you know or Body Track. He he's always like the they have boxes that they need to tick mm-hmm. from an interview point of view, mm-hmm. and a lot of them revolve around sort of KPIs and things like that. But a lot of it's down to their values, and like mm-hmm. you said, talking about their fit and their their what they see as a perfect fit is always going to revolve around their company values. So if you know them, you can sort of not cheat the system, but you can prepare yourself and prepare examples that show you to your best ability to tick those boxes. And I think that that was always one that really stuck with me. Amazing piece of advice. Like definitely even from your cover letters, if it's a job, you know, that you really want, take the time to look up the company, particularly find their values, and you don't always have to uh, reiterate them word for word, but f- frame your answers in a way that clearly demonstrates that you also hold those values. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's often you walk out of meeting someone and even though you know maybe their uh, case study cl- clinical answer wasn't, you know, 100% didn't tick all the boxes, but you've got a feeling that, oh, I, mean, I think they just do well here, yeah. all about the values and that mm. they're aligned and, mm. yeah. Yeah, like if they've, if they've shown that, you know, they're willing to go above and beyond and really just do everything that they can to provide the best the best service possible, mm. that outweighs, you know, maybe that slight discrepancy in there. In oh, we can upskill clinical. Uh, it's really hard to change someone's values or it's really difficult to work with someone who has conflicting values with yes. you and your team. Yeah, yeah that is kind of more of a deal breaker, I think. So, great. I'm glad we got to that point because that's like a gem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll highlight that one. <laughs> um, I think what else? Um, I think I think we, we touched on the, the questions as well and, and making sure that, you know, you've, whether it's you've, you've read the role description mm-hmm. and, and sort of um, written down a few questions or have a few questions ready to um, not only, like we said, show that you can, that you have prepared and you are sort of invested in the, in the process, but also I think to, to satisfy yourself. There should that, be things that you want to know that, that haven't be. been included in a job description. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a job description is a couple hundred words. There's no way that that fully encompasses everything, everything. that the, yeah. the role the role suits. So, you know, yeah, I think I think that's uh, the ability to ask questions or the, the confidence to ask questions is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're at genuine questions, not just, yeah. oh, it's good to ask a question. I need to come up with something. Exactly. I think yeah. that's why that preparation is really important. Yeah. Like if... It's, it's like anything. It's like an exam. It's like a, a, anything like that. Is it, you want to feel prepared walking it. The more prepared you feel, the less likely you're going to be nervous mm. because, you know, there are questions that are, I guess, typical interview questions. Yeah. Whether we're talking about, you know, what's your strengths and weaknesses, that sort of thing. Well, we're going to get to that, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you know generally what they're going to, um, going to be asking. Mm. So, um, but, yeah. But body track like to throw in a few questions that aren't normal interview questions, which is exciting. <laughs> Don't mind the odd the odd curveball curve that you ball. can't prepare for. Mm. Yeah. That is just it's cruel sometimes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. All right, let's talk strengths and weaknesses. And 
even if it's not uh, articulated in those words exactly, in some form in most interviews, you're going to be asked to demonstrate your awareness of strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Essentially, the entire interview, that's what it's about, whether they're specific questions. Um, the entire interview should be you demonstrating your strengths and weaknesses, if we think, if we think. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What, what's your response? By you know, reapplying for this job, Josh. Yeah. What are your strengths? What are you bringing to the company? Um, I, I honestly, I think I genuinely, and and this is, I don't see this as a strength because I don't know any different. Yeah. But, um, I'm told. I'm told. <laughs> People tell me. I'm told. I genuinely rock up every day happy to be here mm-hmm. and I bring enthusiasm with it. I bring that, um, that positivity I think is, is really, really good. But I'm also, I'm very much team focused. Mm. I, I can't walk into a room where there's someone it's a part of my team, a member mm-hmm. of my team and not ask them how they're going or have a chat or want to have a, a laugh with them because mm-hmm. I think that is so important and that's something that I know we really resonated on um, in the in the interview, but also during prac was the the importance of, of team mm-hmm. and how and how important it is that everyone supports each other and, and genuinely enjoys each other's company. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. So I definitely feel that I bring I bring that to that team environment. Yeah. Um, I think from a, cl- a clinical perspective. I bring a lot of patience and a lot of empathy. Um, and that sort of stems, all this sort of stems into that, that general overarching rapport building. Um, but, you know, we want to be a bit more specific. So mm. I think I generally bring that, that empathy with, with clientele and I, and I want them to know that I am trying to understand where they're coming from as much as possible without obviously, you know, glossing over it and being like, oh, I know what you're dealing with moving on. Mm. It's genuinely, I want them to know that. I will do whatever, like as best as I can, mm. to give them because they've trusted me with their, with their sort of treatment process. So, yeah. um, and that's something I, I pride myself on is being able to sort of connect in that aspect, as well as just sort of a laughing and a joking and that sort of thing. Yeah. Two things that I'm going to kind of highlight that you've done in your answers are you've obviously uh, done a bit of preparation to understand. That team is in, important for us, mm. so great to touch on something that you know is kind of a value of, of the company. But backed it up with an example, so I guess you start talking about yourself, but you've brought it back around to um, how that's going to contribute to the company. Mm. Yeah, this is a strength, and this is what it looks like. Here's tangible things that you will get from me having that that strength. Um, Had a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> And so we talk about, um, I mean, the most common one that comes up, comes up, and I think I've heard it in like every person interviewed, and it's the nature of working in health, but it's rapport as a strength. And I don't, I'm not instantly dismissive of this, but I think that it, it just to say that doesn't stand out enough because like every, health prof- every health yeah. professional is you know, mostly good at building rapport and people skills. That's why you're working uh, in health to start with. So I think, uh, again, using those two two points is link rapport to a value or uh, something you know about 
the company and use a tangible example of how you used your strength in rapport and be specific, like mm. I said, empathy or um, listening, laughing and joking, you know, that goes deeper than rapport. Mm. Um, but provide a tangible example of how you use that strength to overcome a hurdle or get a good outcome or um, how that's going to contribute to the company that you're wanting to work for. Um, yeah, if, if someone doesn't go those extra steps and they just re- rely on rapport, that's a bit of an uh, irk for me. Yeah, mm. yeah no, I totally understand. Yeah. All right, weaknesses. This is a tricky one. Hit me with that. Josh's weaknesses. Josh's weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh relies on his strengths too much. Josh talks in third person. Josh talks in third person. <laughs> That's a big ick. Um, no. Uh, I, I, I think I sometimes become too comfortable in my strengths that it stops me from... It stops me from improving as much as I can on my weaknesses, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if whether it be clinically or personally, I'll always move to whether it be laughing and joking and having like lighthearted conversation um, that sometimes I struggle to really work on, whether it's just like, um, I guess, educational conversation or, or being able to actually in-depth discuss a topic. Because things that are less in your comfort zone. Things that are less in my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the, on the clinical side of that, you know, because I'm used to sort of a light-hearted atmosphere and, and sort of empathizing but trying to push everything positive, mm. sometimes I, I skip over or or inadvertently dismiss, an, a, I guess, an opportunity to really just sit there and go, it's okay that we're in this space right now. It's okay whether with a client and it's okay that we're not feeling the best. Mm. I'm not trying to push you immediately positive. We can be okay here, mm. but just know that there's something else. There's yeah. something more that we, we're working towards. I think that can be glossed over a little bit if I'm constantly just trying to make things positive all the time. Mm. And it can get quite wearing. Like, no one wants to have the Duracell bunny of positivity <laughs> running around the clinic all the time because not everyone's positive all the time, you know? Not everything is great all the time. No, that's okay. And it's yeah. okay. It's yeah. okay if it's not okay. Mm. Um, so that's definitely – that's very sort of large-scale mm. look at it. Um, but I think the only other thing would be sometimes I get caught – when I do acknowledge that there's an area of weakness that I have, um, and it's not necessarily sort of um, systemic through everything I do, whether it's just like one little thing clinically, like one little um, condition that I'm not too concerned about, I sit on it and I really sort of, I let it seep into everything and I lose, I sometimes lose confidence in a lot of things because of that, um, I guess, lack of confidence in a certain area. Yeah. And which then I guess revolves back around to me wanting to push everything positive and push everything towards more than what I'm comfortable with. So um, I think that's yeah, I think that's probably the best answer I can give. Unfortunately, yeah. In the fortunately, yeah, a few good things I guess uh, is you talked about a, a downside of being positive. Mm. So it wasn't a a, a flimsy weakness and we you know we know <laughs> try and avoid those weaknesses that aren't really weaknesses because uh, to me that sort of shows a lack of self-awareness if you can't come up with a genuine I mean no one's perfect I've got tons <laughs> um but talking about the potential 
downsides or I, I refer to them as like basement behaviours mm-hmm. from being such an overly positive, optimistic person. And you nailed it perfectly. Like that's great and that's actually a strength, but it has the potential to yeah. show up as a weakness if you're too positive and dismissive of someone's feelings or, or something. Mm-hmm. So it's clear it's demonstrated. It's it's not made up. You're aware of it. Um, I think that's brilliant. But it's you're showing two sides of a, of a strength, which is a great thing to do. Um, I'd also just, I guess, give advice again, go that one step further and talk about what you're doing about it. Mm. Um, yeah, specific situations of how it, how it plays out like you did, how it shows up, um, and what you're, you know, what you're currently trying to do to make sure it doesn't keep happening or have negative consequences and those type of things that's all i like i know personally that i'm looking for is self-awareness and proactivity kind of thing and i think even just the proactivity of having the conversation about it is massive yeah um just from having because we had a similar uh, conversation during my interview for this yeah we talked a little bit about that as well but um, I know just on like reflection after my first couple of months here, you always sort of have a little bit of a yeah. think about you know what you could have done better. But um, there's there was a number of situations where me acknowledging that that was my thought process then allowed me to handle a situation better and yeah. handle a situation and actually end up with a more positive result because I was willing to sit. Almost we talked about sort of being able to sit there in that moment rather than push everything mm-hmm. towards your strengths thinking more about what the client needs in that moment and being able to just sit there and just have a discussion about what is happening in that moment and Mm. then being able to transition through that. And, I mean, I have two very specific examples we can touch on at a later date, but um, it's sort of – it's good to see the benefits of that, like you are talking about. Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely just, I think, to start off with, have that conversation and and actually have it with someone rather than just sort of acknowledging it yourself. Yeah. Verbalize it, get it out there, and then get another person's perspective on it. I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. All right. Any other, I guess, general tips and advice um, for naming an interview? Eye contact. Yeah? Eye contact. Make sure your hair's brushed, your teeth cleaned, (laughs) you know, present yourself well. Mm -hmm. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, you're your best advocate. So if you rock up looking like you don't care about your appearance or, or what people think of you, kind of can seep into how you interact with people as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Um, but I think an interview process can, on the flip side, interview process can be very robotic mm-hmm. and people can sort of see them as just like this terrible thing that they've just got to get through. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, and we touched on it a few times, it's about making sure you're a right fit for the role. So mm. if you present yourself, and you can do all this preparation of the role, but if you present yourself as a person that's not genuinely you, then you're not going to enjoy it because the role's going to be You based. either have to keep showing up every day and pretend and to be someone exactly. else. Yeah. Or, totally yeah, or your team goes, oh, who's this stranger that's suddenly come out? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's important. Like, don't be afraid to put some personality into it. And remember, the person on the other side of the conversation is just a person. That's true. They'll just treat them like a person, not like they have the entire fate of your future in their in their hands. 
Um, hopefully that, you know, helps to bosh a little bit of nerves if people get that going into interviews. Um, I think my final tip is more, I'm going to say be confident with vulnerability. Confidence isn't um, being so self-assured that you know every answer and that you're going to nail it. Be confident in the fact that you're going to feel nervous, that you'll probably get stumped on the question and there'll be an awkward silence, um, that you'll reflect later and go, oh, why didn't I say that? (laughs) And that's okay. Mine's usually the other way. Mine's like, I shouldn't have said that. Take that back, take that back. Um, Yeah, I think if you can be confident in, in feeling vulnerable and, uh, and that then that comes through and that's that's genuine and you know you, then you're just having a conversation as two people rather than this other dynamic that exactly. can, that can go on. Mm. All right, well like we said last time we'll uh, we'll keep checking in with Josh and if anyone has any questions about applications, uh, interviews um, and so on, feel free to uh, get them through to us. Um, at the Body Track Academy, and uh, we'll talk through more of those soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.